Thanks for listening to the Mercy Church Podcast. If you're in the area, we want to invite you to join us the last weekend in March as we celebrate Good Friday and Easter Sunday. Good Friday services will be at 6 p.m. on Friday evening. And then on Sunday morning, we invite you to join us for a time of worship, a message, and baptisms. Bring your friends, your family, and if you feel so led, invite your coworker, cashier, or barista to join you. Services will be held at regular service times at all campuses. To learn more, visit mercycharlotte.com slash events. Again, that's mercycharlotte.com slash events. Well, good morning, church family. Man, I am um, very excited this morning to get to introduce to you our preacher for this morning, uh, one of our own. Um, Pastor Richard Barnes serves as our Independence Campus pastor. So talking to you, Independence Campus, I want you to uh, get hype for your pastor as he comes up here to to preach in just a moment. But I want to kind of set this up for you guys. I am I'm so excited for him because over the past, he's been here now for a little bit over two years uh, that Pastor Richard has been with us, and in those two years has just embodied what it means to serve with love, to serve a church with love and grace, um, and just his pastoral instincts, the way he shepherds our body is incredible, uh, something that um, challenges me, inspires me to be a better pastor. There's this verse in... Philippians chapter 2, the Apostle Paul is talking to the Philippian church, and he says, you know, even if I am poured out as a drink offering in the sacrificial service of your faith, even if I'm just spent, right, and I have nothing left, I rejoice and am glad for you all. And that, I feel like, is Pastor Richard. Um, Pours himself out. Um, Our Independence Campus is a mobile campus, and they set up, tear down, and he is um, so often first one in, last one out, just modeling what it means to serve others and to do so with joy. And many of you, like me, are better off for having known him. Um, And I'm excited for the word that he has for us this morning as we continue in our Acts series. I want to pray over him before I do that. I want to bring him up. Um, And so at both of our campuses, would you welcome Pastor Rashard Barnes as he comes to preach for us? And don't worry, I made sure they didn't start your clock until after I prayed for you, okay? Um, So you're, you're good. Let me pray for you. Lord, I pray that you would carry, Holy Spirit, carry our brother as he preaches your word to us. Um, God, feed our souls, lift our hearts, lift our eyes, lift the eyes of our hearts up to see you more for who you are. God, we love you and we thank you for the gift of this brother, this friend, and our pastor, Rashard Barnes. God, we love you. We pray for him in your name. Amen. Amen. Well, good morning. Good morning. Well, I don't know how to respond to that, um, but I'm, I'm thankful. Um, so this morning, I want to start our time with a story that happened around four years ago um, in our country, in Charleston, South Carolina. Um, there was about a group, about 15 people that were having a Bible study, and as they were having this, this study, um, um, a young man stood up and started firing away, and he killed nine people. And this man's name was Dylan Ruth. Dylan Roof was a part of a group of people who had a motivation to kill anyone that wasn't like them. All their, their motivation was racially motivated. 
Now, out of the nine that were killed, there was one particular person who stood out above the nine. Her name was Sharon Coleman Singleton. Now, Sharon became known because she had a son. His name was Chris Singleton. He was a star baseball player at Charleston Southern University. And the news media was just all around Chris, asking him questions, trying to get him to, to talk about what just happened to his mother. His mother was just murdered. And finally, Chris got on ESPN and got in front of the news, explained what has, has happened, and then he ended his time by looking at Dylan Ruth, and he said, I forgive you. I forgive you. Could you imagine a 19-year-old young guy standing up and looking a man in the face and telling him that, I forgive you? He intentionally killed his mother. So the stake for Chris, he didn't have to forgive this person, but he did. Dylan was wicked. He had ill intent. Um, He did not deserve Chris's love and acceptance and his forgiveness, but he gave it anyway. And as we turn to our passage this morning, we're going to see that today. We're going to see a God who moves towards a people who didn't want anything part a part of him. They didn't want to be near him. They rejected him. They, in fact, ran away from him, but he pursued them. So today, we are going to see, um, as we look in the text, and this is what's going to reveal to us, that God gives grace to a stiff-necked people. Now, as we look at this term stiff neck, you probably wonder, man, that, that, that's some strong language, right? Uh, why, why did you use the term stiff language? I'm um, stiff neck. And that's because what we see inside the text today, we're going to see that word presented to us, stiff neck. Stiff neck means to be stubborn. Literally means to have a stiff neck, right? Um, and so those on the dance floor, you're just a little bit stiff and don't want to move your neck. Um, so, so it means to, to not, and not to be focused in, um, on what God has presented um, before them. And so we're going to be in Acts 6, or we're going to start at verse 8, and we're going to chart through um, um, verse um, 760, so 68 verses. Um, but good news for you, I'm not going to cover all 68 verses because um, I still want to be your, your pastor and, 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 and whatnot. Um, so, so we're going to be, be charting through those 68 verses. Um, we're in a series, um, as you've seen on the video, inside a book of Acts called You Are Sent. And so the purpose of this series is that we want for you to see that the Christian church said we were not created just to, just to sit here. If you are here, hopefully by the end of the day, you will see that God did not create you to, to sit. He created you to be sent. And so what we mean by sent is that God has created you for a purpose and for a reason to go make his name known to where he is not known. So that does not mean just only overseas, as Alexis has said in the video, and all the videos we've been showing over the past um, few months, but God has placed you specifically in a place for a very reason for you to manifest his, his glory. So maybe that's your home. Maybe that is your, your workplace or whatever he has placed you. Where, maybe that's, that's your, your school. God has sent you for a reason, and that is to make his glory known. 
So, so last week, we, we saw in Acts 6, verses 1 through 7, um, that um, um, Peter and, and, um, and the apostles appointed six men um, along with Stephen, and he, and he called them deacons. And, and so um, there were people that were ignoring the, the needs of the Hellenistic Jews. And so um, they, um, by God's grace, provided these men to care for the needs of, of the widows and those that are around. And then um, the text transitions us into verse 8, which I'm not going to read over it, um, but we see in verses 8 through 15, um, Stephen was going around. Not only was he caring for needs, he started to um, performing signs and wonders um, to those who needed to uh, be healed. And, and the Jews, they got upset with him. And so they, so they were mad that he was healing and, and doing all these things. And so they got inside a little, a little tiff, a little, little uh, debate with, uh, with Stephen. And so according to, to the scriptures, according to how I would translate it, um, they couldn't handle the Holy Spirit firepower that uh, Stephen had. Um, it actually said he was full of the Spirit and that um, they couldn't refute against it. And so they got mad against Stephen because they were saying, hey, man, like, why are you doing all these things? Um, you, you seem to be contradicting what we have, we, we have come to know. And so here, here's what they were accusing him of. They said that he was speaking blasphemy against Moses. He was speaking against the temple and in, in, in the law. And he was casting um, in, in the customs handed down by Moses. You need to write this down. This is important for our, our time today. And so he was speaking against Moses in the law. Um, so if we're familiar with, with the text in the Bible, um, the law, we good? All right, sir. Um, the, the, the law was, was, was God's word that was revealed to God's people. It was a way to how God showed his people how to love him, how to cherish him, how to obey him. And then the temple was the place to where God's people met with him. And so Stephen was doing all these things and, and they, they accused him of, of th- those two things. And so um, for a Jew, if you were to not to speak against Moses, to speak against the temple, and to do things against the temple, you are sacrilegious and that you are in trouble. And so they put Stephen on trial before the Sanhedrin. So then we're going to turn to verse um, chapter 7, uh, verse 1. Um, and so, um, again, I'm not going to go through all of, of this text because I want you guys to like me by the end of, of this sermon. Um, but we're going to see three things, three main periods that Stephen's presents to to them as they were accusing him of violating these things. And so we're actually going to see in a very poetic way, he's actually going to flip these things on them. He's, he's going to chart through Israel's history and show them actually how they were actually violating the, these things that they accused him of. And so he's, he's going to go basically, basically from Genesis all the way up to where we see in Acts going through their history. So this is a very long sermon that he's presenting to them. He, again, he is standing before the um, Sanhedrin. And so he's going to focus on three main things. So hopefully they'll come up on the screen. There they are. One, he's going to focus on the patriarchal period. And so this is the time to where... Um, Beginning of Genesis with with Abraham and with and with Moses and with Joseph. Um, I'm sorry, with Joseph and his sons. Then we're going to transition to Moses and the law. We're going to see that inside Exodus and De- Deuteronomy. And then he's going to hop into the, the tabernacle and the, and the temple to which um, um, which focuses on David and, 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 and the kings and whatnot. And so so he's going to chart through all of their history. And so with that in mind, let's look at verse two. 
And it says, it says, brothers and fathers, he replied, listen, the God of glory appeared to our father Abraham when he, he was in Mesopotamia, before he settled in Haram. And he said to them, leave your country and relatives and come to the land that I will show you. So again, Stephen is standing before the Sanhedrin's, and he is presenting to them their story about God. Um, and so he, he begins the story of Israel with the story of God. And so God is the beginning of Israel's story. You need to write that down. God is the beginning of Israel's story. But then as God created humanity, we, at the beginning with Adam and Eve, he needed a people to represent himself. And so God chose a man named Abraham, right? We see that inside Genesis. And in Abraham, um, before we, we've known it, he, he was not a Jew. Abraham was, in fact, a pagan. So that, that, that's, a, that's a key point. He was, he was a pagan. And so according to that time, um, Abraham and the pagans, they were worshiping false idols, and in fact, um, he, was, he was participating inside moon worship, which is strange. I don't know how that happened um, while you're worshiping a moon, but they, they were worshiping moons. And so God went after this, this, this man who was, he was an unlikely candidate, and he chose him to represent him and his people. Let this sink in. God went after a man who was worshiping other idols worshiping other gods, and he chose him. Abraham didn't choose God. He chose Abraham. So what this showed from the very beginning, we see that God was giving grace to a stiff-necked man. God was giving grace to a stiff-necked people. So that's what Stephen was trying to get them to see. But then he kept moving on. Um, so because then he gave Abraham and he told Abraham, he said, hey, Abraham, we know the story, right? You will be a, the father of many nations. And so um, that sounded kind of weird to Abraham because him and his wife were both childless. They didn't have kids. And so to tell him that you were going to be a father of many nations was strange to him. But he made a promise. He says, Abraham, I'm going to make your descendants as many grains of the sand that didn't make sense, but God promised to provide. So he gave Abraham a son named Isaac. And so Isaac then had a son named Jacob. And then we see inside Genesis that, that Jacob wrestled with God and God changed his name to be Israel. And then, then Israel, i.e. Jacob, um, gave birth to 12 sons. And, and, and that echoed the promise that God gave to him. And that became the 12 tribes of Israel. Did that catch you with me? That became the 12 tribes of Israel, and they became the blossoming of, of the promise that God promised to Abraham. And then one of, the, one of his sons, Joseph, which Stephen jumps into, he talks through Joseph's story. So Joseph, one of the 12 um, sons of, of Israel, um, in verse 9, it says that in his story that his, his brothers um, didn't like what he was dreaming about. And so they, they hated his story that he presented to them. And so they got mad at him and threw him inside a hole and they betrayed him and told their, their father that, that Joseph is, is dead. Their anger and their jealousy of Joseph's dream led them to betrayal. And threw him into the hole and left Joseph for dead. 
But as we look inside the side of the scriptures, um, Joseph was then rescued from that hole that he was thrown into. And not only was he rescued from the hole, um, he went from, from a place of poverty to a place of luxury. And he went from being a disregarded brother to being the king, one of the kings of, of Egypt in leading a great nation, right? As, as a result, Joseph, because of the dream that God gave him, because of the dream that, that he presented to Joseph, Joseph was able to, to provide for not only Egypt, but also for the whole entire known world. He, he provided resources. He, he provided care for the needy. And he ultimately rescued and saved the people. The whole entire known world, he rescued them. Then, as we look at the story of Joseph, which, which Stephen was, was charting through, he showed them that Joseph met his brothers, who, who then threw him in, into to the hole. He met them, and as they met, as, as he met with them, he forgave them. He embraced them. He took everything that he had. Again, he was the ruler of the known world. Took everything that, that, that he had, brought his people to Egypt, and said, hey, whatever thing is mine is yours. Then he told his brothers as he says, what you intended for evil, God intended for good. We see here again that God gave grace to a Sithnek people. These brothers intended evil for Joseph. And we know that these brothers were representing the tribe of, of Israel. They were resisting God's grace. But Joseph was meant to be a means of grace towards them, but they could not see it. But God, being patient and merciful with a stiff-necked people, gave them Joseph to be patient and merciful towards them. So God, through Joseph, offered them deliverance. He offered instead of judgment. And God used their sin, their sin of betrayal and of anger, and he used their sin in order to make much of him. God remained faithful to Abraham in the promise. But what we see about Joseph is that Jesus is a greater Joseph. Jesus was betrayed like Joseph. He was left dead. He rose from the grave and ascended into the heavens, and he gave forgiveness to those who, who were ill will against him. God gave grace to stiff-necked people through Jesus. But then Stephen, again, we're, we're in a sermon, so their minds are being, being rattled as he's interpreting their story in, in light of, of, of God's story. He's showing them, hey, like, with, with the patriarchs, you, you missed it. But then he moves on to Moses in the law. So a generation has, has passed. Again, God's people have moved from, from, um, from, from a land of, of the promise into Egypt, right? Because of Joseph, he brought his people there, and a generation has passed. And then there's a man who rose up, his name was, was Pharaoh, and Pharaoh enslaved God's people inside the land of Egypt. They were sojourners inside the land that was not their own. And, and Pharaoh did not have grace towards God's people, but God being gracious in mercy, rose up a man, and this man's name was Moses. So he rose up Moses, um, and then he gave him um, ability to lead God's people. Um, through the Holy Spirit, as we see inside the book of Exodus, uh, Moses um, did all these miraculous signs to try to convince Pharaoh to let God's people go. But we know Moses, a prophet, 
was not, Pharaoh did not listen to him. And so he refused to listen to uh, Pharaoh. And so we look inside the scriptures, the more that, that Moses told Pharaoh, hey, let God's people go from, from slavery, the hardened Pharaoh's heart um, became. And so God, through his mercy, through a series of miraculous events, as, as we saw um, inside Exodus, um, that he delivered God's people from Egypt um, by passing through um, the Red Sea, and, and he rescued them from Pharaoh's slavery. Let's look at verse 34. Let's look what it, what it says. It says, I have seen the oppression of my people in Egypt. I have heard their groanings and have came down to set them free, and now I will come, and now come, and I will send you to Egypt. So God is speaking to, to Moses. He is telling him that he is setting them free from their oppression. So what Stephen is showing us is that Moses was God's people's, was, Moses was their deliverer. He was the savior for Israel. But let's look at verse 27. They rejected Moses. When he came to them first, um, he, he showed them. He said, hey, I'm going to deliver you and rescue you from Pharaoh. And they said, nah, bro, get, get back. Like, you, 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 are, you are not part of us. And then in verse 35, it, it says, after he rescued them from, from, from Pharaoh, after, he, after all the miraculous signs that they were done, you know, they, um, all, all the plagues and passing through, through the Red Sea. Have you thought about that? Water split and people passed through. That's... That's, that's kind of crazy, right? And, and, and so, so, so they passed through the Red Sea and they got into the wilderness and they complained and they rejected Moses' rule over God's people. God's people did not see his grace. They didn't see Moses as a means of grace towards him. And my fear for us right now, I'm going to hop into our story, is that many of us are missing out on God's grace. We're missing that God is sending us deliverers like Joseph, like Moses. He's trying to get your attention and trying to show you that you are, that he is what you need, but, but you're missing it. But again, getting back into the text, you see that Jesus is a greater Moses. Jesus came as a prophet like Moses through the promise and, and through the line of Moses. And Jesus came to face our Pharaoh, Satan. And Jesus came to rescue us from our sins of slavery and to joyful communion with the Father. Stephen is trying to get them to, to see that their story in light of God's story. But then he journeys them down into um, the, into the uh, temple and, and, the, and the tabernacle. Um, and so, um, as, um, as we see, this is one of the main accusations that were made against Stephen was that he was violating the temple and the t- tabernacle. And so, the, the tabernacle was, was a place where God's people worshiped before the temple was, was built um, with, with David, um, um, built by, by Solomon. And, but um, the temple was a place to where God's people met. It was a place to where, where God was, was cherished and to where, to where everything was. It was the life of, of Israel. And so for Stephen to speak sharply against the, the temple was a big deal. But he tells God's people, he says, hey, you are idolizing the temple. He says, uh, yes, the temple is where God is at, but you are idolizing the temple. But then he tells him in verse 48, let's let's look at it. He says, uh, but the most high God does not dwell in sanctuaries made with hands. 
And so what he is revealing to, to them is that the worship of the temple was, was religious, but they made that a holy thing rather than a place to where they met God. The temple for them was a place of self-worship. And if, if we study anything about the story of Israel, um, Jesus went and flipped the tables in the temple because Israel could not see that the temple was, was pointing to him. And they thought the temple was just a place to where they came and met and just did religious things, right? The temple was, was a place to where um, they were able to make them, themselves their own God, and it was a place to where they were able to, to, to walk accordingly with God in their own power, in their own wisdom, in their own righteousness. And what Israel did was that they developed their own morality. And so, so the temple was a place for them to be religious, but religious without God. I won't say it again. The temple was a place for them to be religious, but were religious without God. And so they did not see that Jesus was pointing, uh, that Jesus was, was fulfillment of the temple. And Jesus told them inside, um, inside John, he says that he was going to dwell with them and that he was going to tabernacle with them. And so um, through his death and resurrection, Jesus was going to temple with God's people. But then Stephen moves from discussing the temple to discussing their story. So we can't miss this, this moment here. So what Stephen is telling these leaders was relevant, was relevant for us to today as we saw that he walked through their story and he showed them that Jesus fulfilled their story is that whatever story that you're living in light of, if Jesus is not the center, it's not a story worth living for. If Christ is not the center, it's not a story worth living for. So if you're a Christian room, let that sink in for you. You were created for eternity. You were created for purpose. You were made in God's image. And within all of our stories, we, we all have a creation account. We all have a brokenness account. We all have a rescue account. And, and we are trying to find meaning. We're all trying to find, find purpose. And this is what Christ was offering to them. This is what Stephen was presenting towards Israel. A word for it is called salvation. I need to say this bluntly again. If Jesus is not the center of your story, you will never find a happy ending. As believers, we should live the most joy-filled lives because we're operating in the grace of God that God was trying to show them, what Stephen was trying to show them, but they could not see it. And so they had callous hearts. They had harsh hearts and they lived a life that was devoid from God, but they kind of had a simple religious life, right? So for, for, so, sorry. So for, if you're a Christian inside, if you're not a Christian inside the room, thank you. Let me, you got me? Okay, cool. So if you are not a Christian in, in the room, maybe there, there's hope for, um, for you here. Um, you came here in hoping that you can find hope in, in the gospel. You can find, find hope in, in, in fulfillment inside your life. And Jesus is offering that, that to you. And so maybe I need you to get this, um, to see this, is that the bottle is not going to fulfill you. More sex is not going to fulfill you. Getting married is not going to fulfill you. More money is not going to fulfill you. What your life needs is that you need Jesus. So Stephen declared to the religious crowd, he says, what are you searching for? 
What are you searching for? He says, I've been trying to show you all along. He says, "Um, I showed you through Abraham. I showed you through Moses. I have showed you through Joseph is that it is Jesus that whom you are searching for. So you're a Christian in the room. My question for you is, what are you pursuing right now that does not reflect the grace of God in your life? What are you enslaved to that is making your soul dry and anxious? Are you chasing money? Are you chasing acceptance? Are you chasing fame? Are you chasing sex? Are you chasing porn? With that, none of those things are going to reject you, but they do not fulfill you. That is only in Christ. So Stephen flipped the accusations that were made towards him, and he pointed it towards towards them. Can you see why they, they were angry at him? Can you see why they were, they were mad at him? Because he just exposed to them that everything that they were pay, placing their hope in, placing their, their joy in, it was incomplete. And some of us today, we are living an incomplete life because we're placing our joy and hope and laying it against something that is not solid. So then he tells them in verse 51, he says, Because you didn't listen to God, he says, you stiff-necked people with uncircumcised hearts and ears, you are always resisting the Holy Spirit. That is strong, strong language. This is the language of of the prophets. And so he, again, he's being a good teacher. He's interpreting their story, thinking about about the prophets to whom they revered. And he says, you stiff-necked people, you are resisting the Holy Spirit. This sounds harsh, but this is a language of love. God is warning them to yield to his mercy. Then he, he continues, as your, as your ancestors did, you do also. Which of the prophets did your ancestors um, did not persecute? They even killed those who foretold the coming of the righteous ones, whose betrayers and murderers who you have now become. You received the law under the direction of angels, and yet you have not kept it. So Stephen is pleading with them. You are making me, you're accusing me of disobeying God. You're accusing me of false idol. You're accusing me of living a life that's in contrary with God, but it's actually you. He says, you are missing it. He says, your daddy missed it. Your great granddaddy missed it, and you are missing it. You're missing it. They rebelled against God, and Stephen was standing before them and saying, quit resisting the Holy Spirit. Quit resisting him. Quit being stubborn. Stop resisting God. So what he's doing, he's calling them to repentance. So my question for you today is how are you resisting the Holy Spirit right now? How are you hardening your heart towards God? Right now, I know that many of us don't think we're resisting the Holy Spirit like Israel. They didn't think they were resisting God's grace um, because the fact is that they were doing all of the right things, right? They were inside the uh, temple um, together, right? They, they said, hey, my grandfather built the temple, so therefore I am a Jew. And so since I am a Jew, uh, that means that that makes me a Christian. Oh, I mean Jew. We, we've always went to the temple together. I've always grown up a Baptist, I mean a a, a Jew. 
my, my, my grandfather was a priest. How are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Is it your religion? Are you just, are you coming here and just and just just hoping that somehow by absorption of sitting inside a seat that God will like you better? That's not how Christianity works. As as we saw, God moved towards a stiff-necked people, not towards a kind of good person. He moved towards someone who who did not deserve his his grace. Until you see that you are utterly ruined and that you are in need of God's grace on a daily basis, you will never experience the grace that Stephen is trying to present before Israel. You are resisting the Holy Spirit. But he tells them, he says, he says, do not harden your heart. And I'm telling you, do not harden your heart. Do not let your pride get in the way of you hearing God speak to you. How are you resisting the Holy Spirit? How is your neck stiff right now? What, what are you placing your hope in? Is it more success inside of your, your career? Is it your family? What are you, or are you, or are you placing your hope in that you hope that God will f- fulfill you? But what Stephen is presenting to them and what he's presenting to us, the only thing that offers true fulfillment is the cross of Christ. Let's look at verse 56. Let's look how they, they respond to Stephen's accusations. Verse 54. It says, and when they heard these things, they were enraged and gnashed their teeth at him. Stephen Full of the Holy Spirit. Again, he is full of the Spirit. So he is not resisting the Spirit. He is, he is leaning into to the Spirit. Gazed into the heavens, and he saw the glory of God, and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. And he says, look, I see the heavens open, and the Son of Man standing at the right hand of God. And they yelled at the top of their voices, covered their ears, and together rushed against him. They dragged him out of the city and began to stone him. And the witnesses laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. Y'all need to, need to write that down, mark that. They laid their garments at the feet of a young man named Saul. We're going to come back to that. And while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice. He says, Lord, do not hold this sin against them. And after saying this, he died. The response from the crowd was anger. They dragged Stephen out of the city, and they stoned him. Y'all, this ain't just a normal Old Testament or or Bible um, structured execution. This is enraging stoning, furious stoning. What a horrifying reality. The stones they had, they weren't like little pebbles. They were big rocks. They were throwing them against his head. So blood was gushing everywhere. This was an excruciating type of death. And they were angry because he called out their sin. Stephen was presenting repentance towards them, and they resisted the Holy Spirit. So we see in verse 
we got to pay attention to, to this text. In verse 56, you see that Jesus was, uh, was standing next to the Father. Oftentimes in scriptures, we see that it says that Jesus was sitting next to the right hand of God, but it says that Jesus was standing. You just imagine that. As, as he looked up, Jesus was standing, which means that Jesus was pleased with Stephen's work. He was pleased. He was excited that his servant Stephen was presenting his good news. He was full of the spirits. Jesus was elated that his son was doing what he asked him to do. But for Stephen, it did not matter. It didn't matter how hard the stones were being thrown at him. Nothing could separate him from God. There was no stone. No, no, no velocity of it. There is no courtroom in his he's standing in. There is no people. There is no place that can separate him from God. And if you are in Christ, there's nothing to separate you from the Father. Jesus' standing is with those who are being oppressed, those who are being persecuted. His standing meant his pleasure. Stephen was joined to God. But the act is not done. Stephen is setting the stage for someone greater. The text says that he looked up and that he saw Jesus. He looked and saw the Christ. For most of us in the room, we're, we're not in the place of Stephen. We're not getting persecuted. We're not having stones thrown at us, uh, people enraged at us. But there are things that are happening in your life that is totally out of control. Things that are totally out of what you can control in your life. Like Stephen, the right thing to do is to look up. To look up and see Jesus. This is showing that in what you got going on, that God got it. He got it. Don't be like Israel, who's throwing stones. Be like Stephen and look up. Look up and see that God got it. There's tragedy going on in all of our lives. All, all of our lives. You might think that you're doing something wrong with your life. But if there's persecution coming towards you, you are in good company. God got it. But we can't lose this, this moment. We cannot just only pay attention to, to the standing of Jesus. You have to look to the, to the speaking of Stephen. Let's look at verses 59 to 60. It says, while they were stoning Stephen, he called out, Lord Jesus, receive my spirit. He knelt down and cried out with a loud voice, Lord, do not hold this against them. And after saying this, he died. Stephen was being martyred in the same way Jesus was being, being martyred. He cried out. As he was being persecuted, Lord, forgive these people. So our temptation from this is to make Stephen the hero of the story, which he he done a heroic thing, right? That's that's a crazy story, but the hero of the story is Jesus. Like Stephen, Jesus was filled with the Holy Spirit and had a ministry that was unrivaled wisdom and, and authority. Like Stephen, Jesus was accused of blaspheming before God. Like Stephen, Jesus was given an un, 
fair trial and refuted his accusers with power and wisdom. Like Stephen, Jesus was led out of the city and executed a horrendous death in a, in a horrendous way. Like Stephen, Jesus was being crucified, and as he was being murdered, he, he cried out to the heavens, Lord God, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Stephen is following in the example of Jesus. Jesus' death was fundamentally different from Stephen, though. Unlike Stephen, Jesus died a sinless death. Unlike Stephen, Jesus was more than our example. He died a substitutionary death for us. Unlike Stephen, Jesus died for our sins and he rose from the grave. Unlike Stephen, Jesus defeated sin and death and all pain and suffering, and he said that it is finished. Unlike Stephen, as Jesus was standing, he was declaring that he is Lord. Jesus died to set all of us free, as he did with Abraham from false worship, as he did with Israel from false idols, as he did with their whole story, from them living in light of a lesser story. He, he freed them. He freed you of that. And he reshaped their lives by his death so they can live a more satisfying life. So some of us in the room, we're chasing a narrative. We're coming to church. We're, we're doing all of the religious activities, but you are living a life that is unsatisfying because you're trying to avoid persecution. You're living a life of comfort. Is there anything in your life that God will look at and say, hey, well done? This is not to, to be a, to condemn you, but are you living in a, a living inside of a life to where, where your life is being moved towards um, moving past the comforts that you have created for yourself? Or are you living a comfortable life? I'm not saying to go sell your house and do all these crazy things. I'm just calling, calling you towards obedience. How are you, you loving on your spouse? How are you loving on your kids? How are you loving on those around you? Are you concerned with the needs of those that are around you? Are you concerned? Because Stephen was, he died a death like that. Jesus was, he died a bloody death. How are you, how are you concerned? Jesus died for our stiff neck. And he died for our resistance to the Holy Spirit. So ultimately, the story of Stephen is a story for us. The ultimate rejection of Stephen is a rejection of Jesus. So today, will you resist the Holy Spirit? Or will you forsake your story of living a comfortable life and look up to Jesus? But before we, we close, I just want to just go back to, to the verse where it says uh, that about Saul. So as, as we know it inside the scriptures, um, Saul, his name was turned into Paul, the, the apostle Paul. And, and Saul, after this execution of Stephen, he started to murder Christians. In fact, it led to a mass persecution of the church. But as Paul was standing there, the scripture said Stephen's head laid at Paul's feet. It laid at his feet. And what just happened, the, the, the writer of Luke is so, so good. 
that grace came and met Paul at his feet. Grace came and met Paul at his feet. Paul was the most unlikely man to receive God's grace. Paul was living a stiff-necked life. He was resisting the Holy Spirit. But as we know, Paul wrote majority of the New Testament. He lived a life of persecution. Paul was used by God. He didn't run from God when things got, got hard. He, because he became the story of what today's sermon is about. He became grace. He received the grace for his stiff neck. So like Chris in our story that we, that we began, Chris laid down his desires. He extended grace to someone who did not deserve it and that who did want it. This is what Christ has done for us. This is what God has done for us in Christ. There was grace for Israel. There was grace for Paul. And there is grace for you. So what, what I want to do is want to get us into a posture of um, a prayer. We're going to um, actually pray in, in groups. So get next to someone, um, about two, two or three of you, um, get together. I'm, I'm just going to just read over some, some things. I'm going to ask some, some, some questions of, of you for you to consider. How are you resisting the Holy Spirit? Where have your neck been stiff to God's grace? Now, as the band, band plays, we're going to con- consider. So, question num- number one, and I want you guys to talk to, to, to each other right now. What are you pursuing right now that does not reflect God's glory in your life? So you guys can just, just chat among each other. Just spend a few, a few, few seconds just chatting through. Where is it in your life? where you or God's grace is not prevalent right right now and just confess that as you do, pray for one another. We are the body. Extend hands out and pray for each other as you're confessing those, those things. Another way to how we have a stiff neck towards God is by grudges that, that, that we hold, right? So all of this happened. Where are you holding a grudge against someone right now? You need to confess. So sh- share that.
So my final word for us um, today is work out the tenderness of your heart. Do not let the miraculous thing that God is doing in your life to harden your heart towards his grace. God is at work in you. He's at work in us. Do not harden your heart towards, towards God. But pray this week for a tender heart that you can hear and trust the Holy Spirit and what he's speaking to you with, with that, that in mind. Let me pray for us. Uh, Father, we are grateful that you've given us your word to see through the Israel story that we are a lot like them to how you have constantly moved towards us and, and often we we don't want, want to hear what you have for us. But will you help us to, to be like your son to how um, he embodied grace. He became grace for us. We help us to, to live for a different story. Not, not the great American Christian story, but to live, to be a kingdom person, to be a kingdom citizen. We help us to, to have eyes to see the, those narratives and those things that, that, that we're chasing, that don't bring you fame and, and glory. And you help us to have humility not, not like Israel who couldn't hear your, your call towards repentance, but I ask you help us to have humility to, to hear you and to respond to you, to listen to your spirit. Lord, I know as, as I speak, there's many in this room. There's many things that um, they want to say, they want to confess, but they're afraid. Lord, I ask that you open opportunities for them. You give them the boldness and the confidence to go and confess to how that they are resisting you. So we're thankful again for your word. Will you help us to engage you for these last moments of our worship service? In Christ's name we pray. Amen.